St. Warburg's Derby. So, um, in May 2016, I had the privilege of coming and looking around St. Warburg's as it was then, uh, which was just a kind of shell of an old building. Um, we had the, the Chinese restaurant kitchen was all under here. And there were a couple of dead birds in the building because they'd kind of got in through broken windows and couldn't find their way out. And so the building was a bit of a state. But at that point, I had the privilege of meeting Bishop Alistair. And we had a conversation and he interviewed me and asked if we'd come up here and reopen this as a place of, of worship, a place where we can form community, where we can gather people together. And um, it really is Bishop Alistair's kind of vision that we're here. Without him, we could not be doing what we are doing. And so we are indebted as a church and as a community to his vision, his risk-taking, his boldness, real risk-taking in employing me, um, to make this work and so that we could gather together in this place and see it come alive again, see resurrection life take place here. Bishop Alistair is um, uh, been the Bishop of Derby for 13 years and uh, in that time has been one of the leading lights in this country uh, around the whole human trafficking piece. Bishop Alistair does a lot of work down at the House of Lords, helping to push through legislation and laws that um, change the situation in our world. And uh, he really is uh, a leading light in that. And we're, you've got to get on a train this evening to get back down to the House of Lords for tomorrow. So um, we've got him for a short window. We are really, really blessed to have him here. Can we give him a warm welcome? He's not going to come up right now, but let's give him a warm welcome because he's here. Let's welcome Bishop Alistair. Before he comes to speak, Charlie's going to come and do our reading, so if I can just invite Charlie to come. We're going to read from John chapter 15, if, you're, if you've got Bibles with you, or it's going to come up on the screen. Okay, so John 15, starting at verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father, I will give, I will give to you. This is my command. Love each other. Thanks, Charlie. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for this incredible command from Jesus to love one another. We thank you for these words. And we thank you for Bishop Alistair coming to us this evening to open this to us. And we ask now that you'll speak through him, that you'll pour your spirit out upon him, that he will speak into our hearts through you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for your welcome, and it's a great joy to be here. It's only the second time I've been here. I've got to be careful because apparently I mustn't do a handstand, otherwise my uh, microphone thing will fall off. But uh, so no handstands. I won't get that excited. I'm going to take a text from that reading that I really want to explore with you. When God says to us through Jesus, I chose you, 
I appointed you to go and bear fruit. I chose you, I appointed you to go and bear fruit. This is one of the most exciting bits of fruit that's growing in our diocese. And it's a real privilege to be in partnership with Phil and the team, watching it unfold, praying it into the future. And uh, when I step away from the diocese in a couple of months, um, I really hope and pray that this will continue to flourish and grow and be blessed and be a blessing to others. There are some wonderful things that um, are of encouragement. It's terrific that Nicky Gumbel's coming. I've been privileged to do some work with Nicky Gumbel. He's one of the most inspiring Christian teachers I've ever met. Uh, get people to come and engage with him. Um, it's fabulous the progress Phil and his team are making. On the opening night, Phil got into real trouble for calling things um, uh, rolls rather than cobs. He's got the language now, so we're connecting with the culture, which is great. Now, I want really to offer a, a short word about why has God chosen you and what's that choice about if you're going to go and bear fruit? Because once you come into the presence of Jesus, once you allow the Spirit to flow in your heart, it's not just for your benefit, you're chosen for that love and Spirit to well up in you and spill out to touch other people. And I want to use this passage to see how that process works and what it might mean for each of us in this church tonight. And the clue is the BBC This Week. Now, you don't seem very convinced by that. The BBC This Week is going to give us a clue to how we discern what God's choice is about and what we're appointed to do to go and bear fruit. Well, I'm not talking about the British Broadcasting Corporation, of course. The first B this week, who we remember tomorrow, is somebody called Barnabas. You've probably heard of Barnabas. I think Barnabas is a very important model of what it is to be called and chosen by God to go and bear fruit. You see, most people, when they become a Christian, think they need to be like St. Paul rushing around, founding churches, sorting out arguments, saying what doctrine means, interpreting the Old Testament perfectly. Most Christians think that's the model, and most would think, well, we never quite get there. Now, God does raise up St. Paul figures to lead the church, fill in his team here, and all that pressure is on you, my friend, to sort it out, give the interpretation. But actually, most Christians are called to be like Barnabas, who worked with Paul. And if you know about his story, Barnabas was an encourager. He somehow knew how to find the words that encouraged people and his preaching brought others to Christ. That was the fruit. And he did that in two ways. He immersed himself with Paul in the scriptures, in God's story of his working amongst us that we can recognize for our lives and embody in our lives and begin to work out to share with others. He immersed himself in the story, but he was also a person of prayer. And when you're a Christian, you don't just come to church to catch the story and have it interpreted and see what it might mean. You also pray. Prayer is when each of us allows that spirit, that insight, that wisdom that God gives us through Christ in his scriptures, 
allows it to surface in our hearts. Unless you take time to be still and pray and let God's life well up within you, then you won't be called to bear fruit in the way God would have you. Because each of us is different. Each of us is able to be filled with that spirit of patience, goodness, kindness, forgiveness, all the things that make us the person God wants us to be, and all the things that are encouragement to others who struggle with a lack of patience, a lack of kindness, a lack of forgiveness, a lack of grace in their lives. Barnabas was a prayerful person. And I hope each of us, as we come here and engage with the story and let it teach us and inspire us and lift us as we did in the music, will also take time to let God speak to you. He calls you and he appoints you to bear fruit. So we need to consider how can each of us here, from being touched by God's spirit today, inspired by Jesus the Christ, hopeful for new life, how can we in real time go and give that encouraging witness to others through our word through our deeds, because that's what Barnabas did. He was able to preach the gospel in a way that people felt encouraged and warmed and hopeful because he showed them that patience and love and kindness and grace and going the extra mile was in him and could be shared with others. And the other thing he did, of course, the churches then under Paul, just like the churches today, if you know the New Testament They were full of conflict, different views, different priorities. Even within Corinth, there were five or six groups fighting, squabbling. Paul did one thing that brought all those churches together. And Barnabas delivered it. The one thing he did was to organize a collection for the poor in Judea. One thing Christians can all get. Whatever our doctrines, whatever our views, whatever our priorities, as God calls us, is to know that when God's children are hurting, together we need to step forward and make a difference. And Barnabas got all these different churches who couldn't agree about all kinds of things and drove Paul mad, really. I'm sure people don't drive you mad here, but it happens in Christian communities. But you see, it's where the rubber hits the road that Christian witness bears fruit. When people in real need receive some good news, some grace, both in attitude and in action. And that's what Barnabas did. His attitude was graceful, loving, forgiving, patient, kind. And that was transferred into action that made a real difference to those who most needed it. And I guess part of the call of the mission of this church and all of you who come here is to allow the story to speak to you and give you hope. Reflect on it for yourself because each of you will be called and appointed to go and bear fruit in your own particular way, like Barnabas. Often low-key, often gentle, but always encouraging, always sharing and giving hope, and always doing your best to reach out especially to God's children who are suffering most. And for Barnabas, that wasn't the person next door, it's the person over in Judea might be refugees, might be who, for you and for your church. So the first B of the BBC is Barnabas, who we remember tomorrow, and I think is a wonderful model of what it is to be a Christian witness. 
knowing you're chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit, fruit that will last, the fruit of love, God's love through us. The second B is Boniface, who we remember later this coming week. Now, he's the guy who went as a missionary and converted what we now call Germany. And there's a very beautiful story about him that I think we need to reflect on when we try to interpret God's choosing and appointing us to bear fruit. He went to a preach to a tribe in a part of what we call now Germany. Um, and this tribe used to gather under a huge oak tree. And they believed that the oak tree was God. There's plenty of this in the Old Testament. It's called idolatry. They believed because it was the most powerful, steadfast thing in their lives, really. And it towered over them, and they could look up to it. It was a sign of life in all its world. So they worshipped the oak tree. Boniface talks to starts talking to them about Jesus Christ and a gospel of love, salvation, forgiveness, new life, eternal life, God's glory. And they're listening, and he's under the oak tree. And as he talks and gives this message, he picks up an axe, and he starts cutting down the oak tree. And, of course, they all thought, our God won't put up with this. Um, he'll, he'll perish, being so blasphemous. He goes on cutting, and eventually... It's not him who topples the course, it's the oak tree. And what he helped them see was that worship goes wrong. Worship's in all human creatures. It means worth-ship. What do we value? Because mostly we value creation itself. What's growing in our world of an urban thing, we value what we've created, which is all around us, buildings, systems, whatever it is. And of course... Christianity reminds us you don't worship creation, you worship the creator. The power, the life, the forgiveness, the force that's in creation. And I think Boniface is worth remembering as our second of the BBC because we live in a world that's obsessed with the worship of creation and of created things and of measuring ourselves and our life by what we can see, what we can measure how we can develop it, what kind of strategy we can have, and all that kind of stuff. It's not unimportant. We have to work well with creation. That's what we're created to do. But the purpose of creation is to know that within it we are chosen and appointed to bear the fruit of the Spirit that takes all that creation and makes it part of God's kingdom project into eternity. What did Boniface do with the oak tree? He cut it up, And he made a church. Really simple lesson, really. Creation is to serve God. We're to serve God. But I suspect, if like Barnabas, you try and have a gentle, encouraging word and a decisive action into people's lives because of their need, you will often find the block is that the people we try and witness to and serve are worshipping creation or a part of it often ourselves we worship as a bit of creation we want to survive we want to be healthy we want to do well we want a lot of money all that is about worshipping creation so the big challenge if you're going to be like Barnabas is to say how do I get the wisdom of Boniface to identify what people are gathering around that's the wrong God people gather around the wrong gods all the time And our challenge and call and appointment is to witness to the one true God 
and to really help people see that any worship of less than the one true God is like giving your life to an oak tree. We need to take what people are worshipping and help it be a good part of a life that worships God Almighty, a God who gives creation as the tools and the means of salvation. So I invite you to think about Barnabas, encouraging word and action, coming out of a prayerful life and a deep engagement with Scripture and the story of salvation through Jesus Christ. I invite you to think about Boniface. If we're chosen and appointed to bear fruit, the fruit will only grow if we confront the idolatry of most lives around us, which are actually worshipping creation and ourselves. Now, I wonder if you can guess what the C is then in the BBC. Well, it's just gone, actually, so it's a bit unfair, whereas I'm taking you through the coming week. Columba. You may have heard of Columba, Iona. He went, of course, and had the amazing challenge of trying to convert the Scots. I apologise to any Scottish people here. That was a cheap joke. Um, Iona, you've perhaps heard of. The thing that Columba's remembered for is that he he only did his witness. It only worked because he knew he couldn't do it on his own and he formed what we'd call a religious community. That is, it came out of the praying, the fellowship, the mutual support of Christians united in listening to the scriptures, praying to God together, and seeking to interpret what it means to be chosen and appointed to bear fruit with other Christians, not just on their own. And one of the great hopes for our city with this project is, I hope this will become that kind of religious community with the discipline of Columbus that says, I can't do anything as a witness, I can't do anything as a missionary, I can't follow Barnabas or Boniface unless I'm joined in a strong Christian community whose life is really rooted in singing God's praise, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and following how that's presented to us in the New Testament and so that we're empowered together. And then when we go and we fail and it doesn't work or we feel um, unfulfilled, rather than being on our own and wondering if we've lost the plot, where is God, all those things any individual has about God's seeming absence or letting us down, that's part of the mystery of the challenge of our call. But if you're in a firm, committed Christian community, then the community holds you through those dark struggles, through those difficult times, because the community together is always seeking to proclaim the gospel, to live it, and to support each other in it. So I simply want to remind you that in this week, when I'm privileged to come, and uh, with my prayers very much with you, because I guess, I hope and pray this will be part of my legacy from all this um, ministry I've tried to do over 13 years, In this week, there is the BBC to think about. And I pray that each of you can be called, know you're chosen and appointed to go and bear fruit. And you need to do that in the spirit of Barnabas. You need to do it with the wisdom of Boniface in a world that's full of idolatry and worships creation and not the creator. And you need to do it with the cohesion and commitment of a Columba 
together, loyal to each other, supporting each other, letting God bless you and his people. Christians are called to be part of the body of Christ. All kinds of funny parts, and we could have fun today to say, which part are you? Are you a toenail, an elbow, what are you? All kinds of funny parts. But together, Christ's presence, Christ's witness, the witness to his resurrection and death, comes through his body that we're privileged to be part of through being joined in worshipping him and being filled with his Holy Spirit. So I hope you'll think about the BBC. I hope and pray that this church will go from strength to strength. And I hope that each of you will know that you have an individual precious part to play like Barnabas. You need the wisdom of Boniface to, in whatever situation you're called to and appointed to bear fruit, to recognize the challenge of the cheap shot of just worshipping creation. And I hope God will lock you together in a solid, dependable, firm community where Jesus Christ is known and honored and people can come and taste that and that will set you free to go out and be witnesses wherever God calls you and appoints you. And the fruit, of course, will be his. Amen.